Thank God for Pastor Rick and Diane, who've been just rocks in all of our lives. Merry Christmas season. Happy holidays to everybody. Um, I'm glad they stretched the season out for a long time. They're trying to go past Thanksgiving. They're going back to Halloween. They're stretching it. Stretch. I think they need to stretch it all year. You need to remember God came to earth. That's big stuff. It's really big stuff, man. And uh, came to live and to die. And not only to die, because everybody dies, but to get up from that grave, to raise himself up from the grave. Talk to a group of people who don't believe like we believe, who said uh, uh, that uh, Jesus was not God. And I said, that's kind of odd because he raised himself from the dead. She said, what are you talking about? She, I said, yeah, he did. So where do you see that in the Bible? I said, uh, well destroyed this temple and what I come on say it I will raise it up a dead man raised himself he's got to be God clap your hands and give him glory house of God and he's here to give us courage and to give us faith so we can be obedient to him how many people want to obey God it's not a Christian who doesn't really want to obey him. It's not easy all the time, but it's something you can do. I'm going to talk to you about that today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, courage is in short supply in our world. There's a lot of cowardice out here. I've been a victim of that myself, perpetrator of cowardice fear and anguish and frustration and hesitation and not wondering and wondering whether I was enough or whether somebody else thought I was enough enough of all of that if we know that you are enough it's all that matters you are enough and because you're enough we can be enough help us to be courageous to believe you and to show our our trust in you by doing what you say in the name of Jesus, everybody out loud, clap your hands and say amen. <laughs> like to welcome our streaming uh, church as well. At times when I'm in Columbia, before I come out to, to our church service at 10, I'm streaming too. Now getting some pointers and, you know, hoping, hoping that our members not listen to Pastor Rick so I can steal a sermon or two, you know. <laughs> can't do that when I come here. I can't steal his sermon and preach it back to you, but... Uh, I, 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 I've been gathering pointers for many, many a year. Thank God for his life. Well, at the beginning of this year, 2018, we were encouraged to begin a journey. And that journey has to begin to accomplish anything with courage. Courageous conversations have to be had. You need to talk to God and tell him the truth about yourself because he already knows it. You know he knows the truth about you. You can't, you can't pray and lie to him about you. He knows everything. You have to have courageous conversation with yourself. Courageous conversations with people around you that know you and love you and maybe an enemy or two. They'll tell the truth on you sometime before your friends will. You know that? And you have to have courageous a courageous conversation with 
everybody you know in all of your world. Be willing to be critiqued. Be willing to be assessed. Then he systematically took steps throughout the year to talk about courage in several areas of our lives because we're going somewhere. You going somewhere? I'm going somewhere with my life. Now, so at the end of this year, we need to talk about and emphasize the fact that we must put some walk with our talk. Can you say that? Walk with our talk. And exercise this courage and this faith and this obedience. But through the text that we have there in Luke chapter 17, actually verses 1 through 19 is that, that whole section there, the Lord allows us to learn some shocking lessons in the lives of the disciples that drive home our profound obligation. It's a profound obligation to respond to him when he commands us. One is a lesson in forgiveness. It's one of the hardest things in the world to ever do. Uh, and he's going to set a really, really high bar for us to jump over. And the second lesson was a healing encounter uh, that the Lord used as what I call a master class in how to follow a command and simply obey because he gave it. Forgiveness, obedience, all to be done in faith. First thing I need to tell you is this. You already have enough faith to obey God. Let it soak in. If God commands you, you already have the capacity to do what he's asking you. Because he's a God like that. He never requires anything of you that you cannot do. That would be unfair. Now, if he's, he's God, he could be unfair if he wanted to be, but it's not in his nature. Well, let's put it this way. Sometimes he's not fair, but he's always just. He will always, the end of the matter will always be good, even if it looks like he left you all alone. He never leaves you alone. He promised, I will never leave you. I will never, no, never. That's the import in the, in the Greek language. I will never, no, never forsake you. Never leave you. But I will feel like I'm gone sometimes. <laughs> That's the problem. So he gives us these lessons I'm telling you, you already have enough. You didn't have to come today. Glad you came. Wish others would come. I know that you're watching. You have enough faith to do what God has been dealing with you about. In verses 1 through 10, Jesus is setting the stage. Now, he does a lesson, and don't stop with one little story, especially when he says, and then they went somewhere else. Something get ready to happen somewhere. The next place that amplifies and applies what happened in the first stage. You'll see what I'm talking about. Set the stage. He stunned the disciples. He did it by declaring that they did not need great faith to forgive those who offended them. He asserted that all they needed was obedience. All they needed to do was to do what he said because he said it. That should be Enough reason for us to obey him. He'll never lead you wrong. 
Look at verse 3. Watch this. He's getting ready to zero in on them. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. Interesting word. And if they repent, forgive them. Listen to this now. If your brother or sister, that means the people closest to you. Forget your enemies for a second. You're just talking about the people living in your house. If they sin against you, he says, tell them what they did. Rebuke them. Now, rebuking does not mean I rebuke you. That's what we tell the devil all the time. And the devil's standing there going, well, rebuke me then. I rebuke you is not a rebuke. Now, you can say that, but go ahead and do what you said you're going to do. Rebuke means you did me wrong. This is what you did. This is how you did it. I don't need you to do that anymore. And you need to change. That's called rebuke. All right? He says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Rebuke your brother or sister. And if they turn around, if they repent, forgive them. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Well, shucks, if I got to wait on them to, uh, you know, to repent, I ain't got to be forgiving everybody. I just got to wait on them to ask me to forgive them. No, 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 no. There are two levels of forgiveness. When they sin against you, immediately, you and God, I set them free, Lord. It is as if they've never done it. God, by the way, <laughs> I don't feel this, but I believe it. You don't feel like forgiving anybody. Who ever felt like forgiving folks? It's very rare. Now, when it comes to you and your brother or your sister, don't tell them you forgive them. I'm just trying to help you. I'm your friend. Oh, why are you looking at me like that? I'm, I'm your friend. I'm trying to help you. Don't say... I forgive you unless they ask you. Hope it doesn't sound like something new to you. You ever had somebody come up to you and tell you, I forgive you, and you're going, what did I do to you? <laughs> Man, you looked at me funny. That's why I did what I did. What you talking about? No, no, no. I got to forgive. And this big old thing starts happening. Don't tell somebody you forgive them unless they ask you. You're going to go ahead and do it anyway. I know because you're hard-headed. <laughs> I'm telling you, that ain't how it works. It says, if, am I reading the Bible? If they come to you and repent, that's when you tell them, I forgive you. Now, that shouldn't be too hard. So, at this point, now the disciples, they kind of got in a huddle. Because he said in verse 4, even if they sin against you, he should have just stopped right there. Even if they sin against you, how many times? And, and, and how much? What's the duration of time? In a day. Lord, help me. If they sin against you seven times in a day, and then seven times they come back to you saying, I repent. They can't be jiving and joking. They got to at least look like they mean it. You know? And if they look like they mean it, you must. This is a command from God. 
This is not a suggestion. You know, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not have no, have, thou shalt not have no, <laughs> thou shalt have no graven images. All right? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Just go all the way down through, all the way down. It is just as much a command as the Ten Commandments. Because everything hinges on this. Whenever the Lord says, you must, it's a commandment. You have, sorry, no choice. Now, you sure you already got a choice. Everybody got choices. But you can choose not to obey and understand what's going to come after that. You are not in control of the results if you do not do what the Lord commands you to do. And he's not commanding us to do this to make fools out of us. He's commanding it because he knows that in his kingdom, left is right and up is down and dark is light. What the world thinks, and the world thinks they're walking upright. We're walking upside down. The world is walking up. I can't even do it. Walking upside down. And we think we all, we think we're standing upright, but we're upside down. When he says something like, love your enemies, no. You know, pray for people who use you. Nah, man. Do good to them who hate you. Are you kidding me? Oh, here we go. They steal your stuff before they get out the door. You forgot some. Here's some extra. Now, see, I didn't make this stuff up. That Bible you read, and when you skip over that verse, you know, it's still in there. He said, give them extra. He's not lying. And he said, they sue you for a million dollars. $1,000, whatever you got. You know what I'm saying. So give them some extra to go with it. They make you walk, kidnap you, make you walk one mile with them. Say, I'm feeling my oats, man. Can I carry your stuff for another mile? This is Jesus' right side up kingdom that we think is upside down. Don't you? Tell the truth. I ain't going to stand here until you tell me. Say amen. You know, it is, you know it's upside down. Here's the utmost upside down I think I ever heard of. God hanging on a cross, failing, so you can succeed. That's about as upside down as I can come up with. But that's the kingdom of God. He's not trying to make you look like a fool. He's trying to make you confuse your enemy. So you haven't done it enough to know that it works. I'm telling you, I tried it a few times. It works. And even if it don't work on the one who offended you, somebody else will walk up and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> somebody else will do it. God will bless you. And if they don't accept it, he'll bless you even more. I'm telling you, that's God's kingdom. These guys were freaked out, though, when he said, <laughs> when he said seven times in the day. And Peter, he's always the big mouth. He says, because he said back in Matthew, Hey, Jesus, uh, and he's the one brought it up. Hey, man, uh, uh, if, if, if my brother sins against me, how many times am I supposed to forgive him? That's in Matthew 18. He said, and he, and he stretched seven times. And Jesus looked at him, and he was a little impressed. And in the Lord's mind was this question. 
And he didn't say this to him, but this is what was in the mind. I know because I got the mind of Christ. <laughs> he was thinking to Peter, are you saying if they sin against you eight times, you're supposed to come down on their head and send them to hell? Is that what you're supposed to do? I'm sure he was thinking that. So he blows Peter's circuits out. You know what he says to him? You know what he said. No, not seven times. I know Peter went, thank God. He says, unto what? Seventy times. Seven. Ain't nobody sinned that many times against you except your husband and your wife. Ain't nobody in the world. Or your kids. Ain't nobody else done that to you. You know your kids can sin against you seven times in a day, right? You know they can do it. Ooh, some of them sitting in here. I ain't talking about y'all. I'm talking about somebody else's kids. Seven times. I mean, they can do it seven times a day. Easy. But the Lord says you got to forgive them every time. The principle is there's never a time when you should not forgive somebody and not do it right away. Now, he's blowing their circuits out. See, you know what they do? They get in a huddle. Hey, y'all. Matthew, dude, Nathan, guys, what's up with this? The man say seven times in a day. Let's go tell him, Peter. Okay. Uh, we're going to need some more faith. <laughs> Isn't that what it says there? Verse 5, second part of verse 5. Incre- Come on, let's say it together. Increase our faith. And it sounds so spiritual, don't it? Lord, increase my faith. It wasn't like that. It's like, Lord, we need some help. <laughs> they placed the responsibility, though, on Jesus to somehow strengthen their ability to do what they had already been commanded to do. Make me do what you commanded me to do. Here's the Lord's surprising reply. He's getting ready to pop him in the face. King James says it differently. I'm going to do it the way King James, at least that third word that I'm going to say it. If you had, remember, increase our faith. If you had faith as small as a mustard seed. Now, this is not encouragement. This is a reproof, all right? If you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, this sycamine tree, they're the same tree. Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and what will it do? It will obey you. He was not using hyperbole. He was not stretching the truth. All things are possible with God. He said, now you listen to me. You asked me to increase your faith. I told you to forgive your brothers and your sisters, and you're telling me you don't have enough. I don't command you to do stuff you don't have the capacity to do. I'm telling you, the moment they do it, you can't be standing there going, like, pop out a sailor man, give me some spinach. Young people go, who? I know. It's all right. I'm talking to the older folks right now. Some spinach, you know, to make you strong. No, you got to do it right there and then in that moment. So you don't have to work. Don't be trying to work up some more faith. He said, do it right away. I ain't going to mean it. Listen, your mind is not going to mean it, but your heart really always does. All right? Follow the heart. So, he says, he says, faith as small as a mustard seed. I know how small a mustard seed is. 
can't even see it, can you? How you know how small it is? Because I stole one one time. <laughs> I didn't know that when I was standing there in that store, and I will not call the name of the store because it's in this town. It was a long time. I was a baby Christian. Did that, did that let me? I was a baby Christian. I didn't know. You know, I mean, I, I didn't feel like I was taking nothing. And, you know, whoever bought that, they didn't, you know, uh, well, let's see. Come on. Why are you looking at me like that? Why are you up there preaching to us and you done stole? Why are you out there listening to me and you done stole? All right. How many of you have eaten a grape? Raise your hand, you eat the grape in the store. In the store, you ate a grape. Bunch of thieves. And you looking at me like, I'm, come on, you a bunch of thieves. I'm looking at you now. You got fingerprints all over your hand. Look at you. Stole the grape. It's all right. I just got to taste this before I buy it. If that was true for all the stuff in the store, all the packages would be open. Stop stealing. Now, let me get back to me. All right. I stole a mustard seed. I did. I ain't going to tell you what store. You know how you follow your wife in the store? And you just, oh, can we get out of here, please? So I'm looking around at the products, and I looked, and I see this. Because I'm new in the faith, I done read Mark chapter 11. So I just went in there and got one of them out, closed it back up. No harm, no foul. Still stealing. Doesn't matter how small the theft is. I knew I was trying to deceive. But that's how I know <laughs> what size of mustard seed is. Because I took it home. Can I tell you, I didn't feel nothing either. Now, I felt something months later. You know, when you grow up in the name of Jesus, you get more sensitive. And I felt bad about it. But I ain't going to take the people mustard seed back. Put me in the insane asylum. They take you down to where they used to take you, or the kick light, or wherever they used to take you, wherever the place they used to take you, Georgia Regional. <laughs> and uh, so I left it alone. I lost the thing after a while, but, um, but it taught me a good lesson. I'm, see, I needed that seed so I could learn about God. And I couldn't afford to buy things, so I had that seed. And I said, my God, God is amazing. I, that's all the faith I need. And he said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell the mulberry tree to get up. Now, Lord knows we don't know what a sycamine tree is. It's the same as a mulberry tree, but not many of them grow in town. There's a mulberry inn down there, but, you know, this mulberry tree. Well, did some research. You can just pop off a branch of a mulberry tree, stick it in the ground, and just water it. Just keep watering it. Just keep watering it. And somehow, little root dendrites and tendrils begin to come out, and they don't stop. They keep going. And they keep going, hundreds of them, thousands of them. Who knows how many, countless numbers of these little projections. And they go deep in the ground. And that mulberry tree grows up probably as high as this building, the, 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 the ceiling. Big old wide thing. And Jesus says, he always used object lessons around it. If you had faith size mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree over here. Be uprooted. Throw yourself in the ocean. And it will do what you say. Now that's some powerful stuff. 
That's why I'm a Christian. I want to be powerful. And he says, you want to be powerful? Forgive your brother. That's more power than that. It doesn't take any more faith than you got right now. To move a little tree, that's all the faith you need. And he went even bigger than that. You can say to this, this is crazy, to this what? Mountain with this much. Don't be telling me how much faith you need. Whatever you got is enough to do everything you need to do. Just get started. Clap your hands. Give God praise. I got to hurry up. Do say increase our faith. If you had faith, you would say this to this tree and it will obey you. Jesus does not give us even one inch of wriggle room, wiggle room with this issue. He makes it clear that the amount of faith we have is not the major issue. We receive, when we receive a command from God... We just need to do what he says. That's the major issue, doing what he says. You already have enough faith to obey, and secondly, you must courageously obey to be blessed. Now, to aid Jesus with this crucial issue, the Lord next set up a stunning living illustration in the form of ten lepers who were desperately ill, who simply and courageously obeyed his command. And by doing so, receive great blessing from God. Listen now. He taught them the lesson. It's nice when you're in class learning all this stuff. When you get out there trying to work it, different story. You can learn all day about riding a bicycle. Get on that bad boy. You know, and that's when the rubber meets the road. Really, the rubber in your backside and everything, it can meet the road. But you have to keep going. All right. So, so he's got to teach them by an application. The Holy Spirit sets it up. When you're reading a story and notice the transitions in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the narrative. He didn't say, if he says, some in, uh, you know, on another occasion, or if he says, and then they went somewhere else, Holy Ghost getting ready to do something. God doesn't teach you something without letting you experience something so you know you got it. So here we go. He, uh, he, he, if, if he walks into the village, and this is ten desperately ill guys. They're all a lepers. Here's the condition. Verse 11 of Luke chapter 17. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. He was kind of between these areas, right? Verse 12. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance crying out, Master, have mercy on us. Interesting. Have mercy on us. Ten guys, all with leprosy. Most of us know lepers don't just walk in and out amongst everybody. This disease is extremely communicable, contagious. It goes from one person to another. When somebody realizes that they have it, they are commanded to leave the village. They are out. There's a leper colony out there. When someone approaches, these lepers have to be sure that they are at least two football fields away. They, they, are, they estimate different distances, but as much as two football fields. Now think about that. If that were so, if that were the distance. These ten guys standing here. They're all raggedy looking. Think about Thriller. How them people looked on Thriller? They look bad, all right? I don't think all day about Thriller, but just, just to get the picture. 
all right? And when one guy, now, leprosy, we know that the nerve endings begin to die. Then you begin to come to a place where you can't feel. You can't feel. That's a terrible thing not to feel. Lord, deliver me from pain. Lord, thank you for pain. Pain tells me something wrong. But I can't feel pain. I don't like extreme pain. And once I found out I got it, you can cut the pain off. I got, I know, I got it. You can stop it. But sometimes it just keeps going, don't it? Some of you are in pain today. God's going to help you. But then after a while, different the, the properties cause your, your extremities to begin to atrophy and die and dissolve. And sometimes some of your Organs fall off, ears, nose. You're looking terrible. The living dead. It's worse than death to some. And they're standing there and they're crying out to Jesus. They see him coming. They can tell. The problem with leprosy, though, is that the mucous membranes inside your vocal cords dry up. You can understand what probably happens. You can't holler. You have to say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So they had to all come together. There's something about people who come together that magnifies stuff, you know? And the sound came together and they cried out to him. You don't have to holler too loud to Jesus anyway, though. Somewhere I heard some of the old folks saying, He'll hear. You getting ready to preach. Your faintest cry, and he will answer by and by. Truth is, he answers right away. You get the feeling, the manifestation by and by. And it's just as if you already got it. But they cried out, Master. And Jesus said, somebody calling my name. Master. Didn't hear that a lot from Israel. Master. These guys desperate. Have mercy. Didn't tell him even, didn't tell him even what to do. Just have mercy on us. You can look at some folks and know what they need. They ain't even got to tell you. Have mercy. Have mercy on us. That was the condition. Here's the command. Verse 14. He looked at them and said very simply, Go. Show yourself to the priest. Go to Jerusalem. Tell the priest that was his job. Now, his job wasn't to heal people. His job was to look at you and examine you by the law of Moses and decide whether you were healed. And when he sees you're healed, he pronounces it and he gives you a certificate stamped by the priest. You can take it anywhere you go. Some of us know we got grand folks and great-grandparents and those who had their manumission papers. That's your free papers, if y'all don't know. But slave papers, I, 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 certificate. What, what is what's his name? Chicken George say, this is my certificate of manumission. <laughs> These guys had their certificates of manumission. They were set free. See, you don't understand. Leprosy is horrible. You know you can't hug your wife when you got leprosy unless you hate her. You can't kiss your kids. You can't tuck them in bed. You can't go home. 
You can't go to the store. You can't go to the game. You can't go anywhere there is people. You must be isolated. Quarantine. And so misery, that's why 10 were together. Misery, don't it? These 10 guys coming together. Jesus said, go, show yourself to the priest. He heard him say, master, oh, master, hmm. You called me master. They called, hey, that is, they called me the master. Oh, okay, here's what the master getting ready to say. Go. Simple. Seven words. Go, show yourselves. Show your, yeah, you know, that number of words <laughs> to the priest. And these knuckleheads had the audacity to obey him. Now remember, he told the disciples, your brother sins against you seven times. Forgive him. Do it right away. Just do it because I said it. Increase our faith. Okay, let me tell you something. Spirit led him to these ten lepers. Here's some guys who got much less than you. And let's see what they're going to do. See, the Lord is honored when you use the faith that you got. And simply do as he tells you to do. This is the case throughout the scriptures. It's all about that. It's not about great faith. Great faith is wonderful. But start with what you got. Little is much when God is in it. That's what they tell me. Moses raised up his rod at the Red Sea. What in the world is that going to do? I don't know, but he told me to do it. And it wrought a great deliverance for millions. The priests, 40 years after the Red Sea, walked up to that Jordan River, waiting on it to part. It didn't part. He said, no, 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 step in. Different dispensation, step in. They obeyed. They stepped in in the water, flowed this way, and stopped that way. Just did what the man said. You don't have to be some great giant in the face. Just do what he tells you. Here's another one. Naaman in the same dirty, nasty, can you say funky in church? You say it. Jordan River. He said, dip in that thing seven times. Naaman says, man, that's a nasty river. There are much better rivers. I'm a man of importance. You can dip in that nasty river. It ain't about where you dip. It's, it's about obeying God wherever he says you need to dip. He, he went inside that water, and he said, don't do it six, do it seven. Seven times he came up. Cynthia Johnson used to sing a song called, uh, about Naaman. He went down to the Jordan seven times, and he came up shouting, my life has changed. In the, in, in, in the song, it says, and his skin looked like a baby's. Isn't that something else? Just do what he says. Immediate response. And as they went, see, as they went, the lepers obeyed him immediately. They didn't go, man, we're in trouble. You're telling us to go to the priest. They're going to stone us. There's all kinds of reasons for them not to go. I'm not going to go to him. I'm not cleansed. i got to be cleansed first and then go. He said, no, you go. Just do what I asked you. These disciples are watching it. Their eyes are stretched. You know where you're sending them people? You are signing a death warrant. That's capital punishment. They went on anyway. You know, when you're desperate, you don't care. You don't care no more. You do not care. All caution throws to the wind. I have no other choices. Got to do what the man said. He's the master. I just called him master. I just need to obey him. As they went, they were cleansed. My God, what must that have felt like? 
it felt because they had no feeling, and the feeling came back. Barry Manilow. Oh, there's another old one. Trying to get the feeling again. You don't know that song. All right. Anyway, trying to get it. Well, they got their feeling back. Bodies began to operate properly. They were healed. All they needed was to hear the master say, go. They were cleansed as they obeyed, not when they were commanded. Hear that. Cleansed as they went, not when they were commanded. It's okay that things don't change just because the Lord said, do it. You just go doing it. Don't worry about when. Your life is not yours anyway. Your life is not your own. I give myself, I give myself. You mean that when you sang that the other week? To you, my life is not my own. For real. The Lord heard you. All right. I'm talking to me too. No, I ain't like the guy who done made it. I'm just on my way like you. Here's the questions. What, do, what is God telling you to do that you're not doing? What are you waiting on? Don't wait any longer. Courageous obedience turns out. Watch how it turns out. Verse 15. One of them, one of those lepers, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet. And I bet he kissed him. Thanking him for what he had done. That boy was in a position of worship. My God, how would you feel if your whole life was given back to you? You can now go home if your wife ain't married to somebody else. You can. <laughs> your kids, you can hug them again. You can go everywhere you used to go. Now you're with the whole society. You're be you belong again. Otherwise, you were waiting to die. What would you do? Well, nine of them just kept walking. And I ain't going to blame them. Jesus told them to go to the priest. They're going to do what the man said. They kept on going. One of them dudes says, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. You wait, hold up. He didn't care about no distance. Remember, standing at a distance. No, no, no. Ran straight up to him, fell down right in front of him and grabbed him. I know he grabbed him. And Jesus did not back away. And it blew Jesus' mind. Jesus marveled. Check this out. The disciples said, in verse 16, this dude is a Samaritan. They didn't care when they had leprosy. Now they, you know, they got distinctions. Now you're a Samaritan. That Samaritan say, I ain't got no business going to your priest anyway. I'm a half-breed. They don't like me anyway. You told me to go, and that's why I went. But I realized something on the way. I got my help from that guy there. And I just called him the master. He is my priest. You are my high priest. And he ran and fell down at his feet. Oh, my, come on, God. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten? Where are the other nine? There you go. Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? That's what the foreigners are called to do. Jesus came for the Jews. He came for all of us, but first to them. They were his own people. They rejected him. And you foreigners didn't have no other sense but to accept him. He's talking about you. You're that Samaritan. 
You're that foreigner that when he tells you to do something, you're going to go do it. And you're gonna, when you're in the middle of it, you're going to turn around and bow down on your face and say, thank you, Jesus. I give you glory. I give you honor. Give him praise in the house of God. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Oh, you brought me from a mighty long way. He turned back. There was a Samaritan. Who? Where are these other guys? He wasn't finished. One more thing. You realize good things happen to you when you go all the way and exercise faith and obedience. Do you understand? Look at verse 19. And Jesus said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Can I tell you what that really means? Your faith has made you W-H-O-L-E. Made you what? Whole. Now, there's a difference between healed and whole. I like getting healed, but I sure enough like being whole. Do you know the legs was, the toes was off and fingers were off and ears? I can't say this exactly happened. I know it had to be. There had to be something new happened. He said it made you whole. You're a whole person again. The man's fingers, I bet, came back and his toes came back and his ears came back and his nose came back. Now there's not even a sign that you ever had it. In the first place. The other nine, I can't speak for them. They went to the priest. They're looking kind of funky. They well. They got their certificates. But this dude don't need no certificate. He is totally whole. That's you if you will obey him. Just do what he says. Just do what he says. Just do what he says when he says it. James 2 and 20, as you stand on your feet, the Word of God says, Did you not know that faith without works, without deeds that show you have the faith, is what? What do you do with dead stuff? Somebody said bury it. Uh Uh-oh. I done preached all this long time, wore one of my best suits, and you missed it. What do you do with something dead? You raise it from the dead. Amen? Amen. Faith with works is life and peace and justice and glory. Faith alone will die. It's not even faith if you don't do something. I'm finna get old again, Jed Clampett and Duke. I know you're in a spiritual frame of mind, but y'all know what he said about Duke. He said, why that dog just lay there all the time with all that skin, you know? He said, oh, don't worry about Duke. Duke got a lot of get up and go. He just never got up and went. That's us sometimes. We're Duke. Get up and go. Don't wait. Especially if God told you. Now, please, for God's sake, Kind of be a little certain that it was him telling you. <laughs> he is not responsible if you go and it wasn't him that sent you. Now, don't get all deep. All right? When he say forgive somebody, don't say, was that the devil? <laughs> don't be asking that. And in offering time, when that first number comes to you, that first, the first number, when your spirit, whoo, that first number, that's the one. That's the one you're supposed to give. 
not the second one, because it is always the second one's always lower. You ever notice? You're thinking big, you don't think bigger than that. You think a little low. It's the first one. Do it right away. You're not gonna be without, you can't outgive God. And all of us are learning this, aren't we? Praise God. Courageous faith and obedience. Just do what he said. Just bow your heads for a second. Father, I love your word. We all love it. I won't, I won't say give us faith to follow it because you've given every one of us the measure of faith. I'm asking you to give us understanding and when we do, bless us as we step out. We can be scared. It's okay. We're going to step anyway. going to do it anyway. And as we go, the feelings will follow. In the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you. Heads are bowed, please. Eyes closed. Still, still head bowed, bowed. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I heard the words you said about having faith and just doing something. I've always said, you know, I knew that there was Jesus and that he's the son of God. And I need to put some feet to that. Um, uh, uh, symbolically and give my heart to him. Why am I waiting any longer? Faith without works is dead. I sense that you, you're dealing with my heart to give my heart to you. Now, heads about eyes are closed. Is there anybody here? I don't need to call you down here. It's not about that. It's about you and Jesus right there. You want to give your heart to Jesus right now because this is the moment. What I'm asking you to do is just slip your hand up. If that's you, Raise your hand. I'm going to start a life with Jesus, Pastor Greg. I'm going to start a life right now today. I go to church. I'm not asking about going to church. I'm asking about starting a life with Jesus. Raise it high. Do I see it? Okay, there's one back there. Raise it. Oh, there you go. I see two of you. God bless you. Could you clap your hands with these folks? This is big. This is huge. This is huge. Anybody else at all? I'm going to start a life. That's big stuff. It's not some easy thing to be saying, I'm going to turn my life around. Friend, you don't have to do the turning. You turn in your mind, you turn in your intent, and God will turn your life, everything around for you. I'm going to pray with you right there where you are, and all of us are going to pray along with you. The fact is, if you would just touch the hand of the person next to you, we're going to pray together or hold it. We're going to pray, and I want you to pray. Now, all of them are going to pray with you. We're going to pray this prayer. God is going to come in. You don't have to feel it. He's just going to come in by faith. He's coming in. It's going to change your life from now on. Can you pray? Oh, God, I believe in Jesus. He is the Son of God, the second person in the Godhead. I believe that he came to earth. We are celebrating it now. He lived a perfect life. He taught us the way. He was and is the way. Then he died at the hands of men. He gave up his own life. He died and was buried. And he rose again three days later. I confess that Jesus is my Lord. 
And, that I, and I believe that you raised him from the dead. Now, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. And I will walk with you with your help for the rest of my days and for eternity. In Jesus' name. Could you clap your hands and celebrate with those two and shout, Amen! Come on, amen!